Well, I invite you to turn tonight to Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 9, and we will consider uh, the first seven verses of this Isaiah prophecy of chapter 9. It's found on page 680 in uh, the Bibles that are in front of you. Isaiah chapter 9, beginning at uh, verse 1, this is the word of the Lord, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness on them has light shone. You've multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And there ends the reading of God's word tonight. Well, I have to confess that we have uh, seen so much change in our time and so much change in our culture, it feels like we are living in a time of intense darkness, doesn't it? I believe it's kind of easy to act like Chicken Little. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. And to act like everything is, is coming apart and that we are living in the worst moment ever of history. That's kind of how I think the Spirit has prevailed over the people, that we are living in the worst moment that could be under the sun. And people are panicking and people are in fear. And as if our present darkness and the darkness that we have come into and we are experiencing is the worst ever. But in the big picture, that is not true. Um, There have always been periods of darkness in history. And then the Lord has been very merciful and given us great periods of light. Uh, That's something that happened at the Reformation, you think of the darkness that had gripped those times and people not knowing the Lord and then that the Bible was given back to the people in their common language and a great light shone again in in those times and reformation happened and people were helped back to the light. It was a time so glorious and that's why we continue to celebrate that and want to see that continue to happen. But the reality the scriptures capture for us is really that there is one great period of darkness and replaced with a great period of light. And that this revealing of light is the greatest in all of history. And I have really good news for you tonight. You are living in the time of the light. You are living in the time where the greatest light has been given in history. So much so that all the prophets, the, New, the Old Testament 
would say, and New Testament writers captured, all the prophets long to see this light, long to see the day in which we live. And that's what really is captured for us tonight as we step back and look at the two periods, if you will, in this kind of way, that the peoples walked in darkness have seen a great light. That all of history has seen a great light. Think of how much light has gone out when Christ came to the ends of the earth. And we forget that. And I think that's why it's so important because this particular passage tonight helps us to see that so many years previous, it was prophesied that this time of light would come and that there would be real rejoicing in this time of light. This is what John said, the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. And that's really what I believe the celebration of the coming, the first advent of Christ should be all about. That's the heart of what the prophecies in Isaiah were capturing for us, a great light and a celebration of what we call Christmas, that light has dawned and light has come to us. So that's what we're considering tonight briefly, this little fantastic prophecy in Isaiah of showing us and having us think a little bit differently about how we evaluate things, taking a much bigger perspective uh, that the scriptures give us about light. And that's why I think looking at Isaiah is important. I have to say as a pastor, it's really not an easy section to preach. Um, Isaiah chapter 7 and through Isaiah chapter 9 are some of the darkest passages in the scripture, complex to preach and really ugly in terms of all the problems that are cataloged in these particular passages. And it's in this darkness that the Lord gives us great prophecies of what we are celebrating tonight. And that's what we have here is this king, Ahaz, who was a king just like what we considered this morning. A king who did not seek the Lord. A king of, in Judah who did not inquire of the Lord, a king who led the people in darkness, and everything around them was an entire mess. Uh, Ahab chose the refusing of the word of the Lord by the prophet Isaiah, and God wants to be very clear about this. God wanted to explain to them very clearly where rejection of his word would land the people, and I think if you look at the end of chapter 8, you see how challenging this all um, could be. The last verse of chapter 8, and they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. What a terrible thing. How could it get that bad? How could the darkness become that great? And you think of Jesus's words of what he said of those who do not believe in him, that on that day they will be cast into outer darkness. This concept of darkness is important. Think of Egypt when one of those plagues was thick darkness that could be felt. The darkness was so bad that it could be felt among the people. Imagine today if we had no knowledge of Christ and no knowledge and any hope and no knowledge of where we are going and what we are doing and what our purpose is in life and groping about life with no real meaning. Do you know the masses that live this way? Well, you're going to need light when you're on your deathbeds. Think about how much darkness of death surrounds us. But then think of the hope that we have. 
how much light is given to us that there is a resurrection for us, that there is hope for us. Well, in our text tonight, Syria and Israel had a line together against Judah. In the midst of this, the Lord had called Ahaz, the king of Judah, be firm in faith. Be firm in faith. Believe the Lord. And they would not listen to him. They, in fact, the passage will say, look, you're looking to the mediums and the necromancers. Necromancers. You're going to them for help and answers. You're not calling out on the Lord. Should not a people inquire of the Lord? That's the heart of this particular passage. And that's why these passages in Isaiah are so dark and so gloomy. It's because few were calling out upon the Lord. Few were worshiping Him. Few were seeking Him. They were doing what the judges said. Everyone was doing what is right in their own eyes. And could they not see that the darkness around them was darkness? That they were groping in it? That they, all they knew among them was no peace? There was only war? There was only division? There was only fighting? The whole kingdom was in turmoil, and people without the revelation of the Lord, since they wouldn't listen to that revelation, were in darkness. Well, it captures something important for us. It captures how great that darkness is in the world apart from the Lord's light. Apart from the Lord's light. And we stand back and say, I think today, you know, as God doing anything about any of this. Where is, where is the Lord? And what is the Lord doing? And why are things the way that they are? And why does it seem like there's so much ruin? And why are people's lives such a mess? And does God care? Does God help? Does God answer? Does God deliver? Or are we to continue in the darkness with no answer? In the midst of this darkness of people not calling out upon the midst of, uh, uh, to the Lord and not seeking the Lord, what do we have in this passage? That's the surprise of chapter 9. I didn't have time to go through all of this tonight to set a better context, but the darkness is so great in chapter 7 and chapters 8. That's why the end of chapter 8 ends the way that it does. It's almost like it's the end of the Old Testament. You know what the last word of the Old Testament is? lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Who's listening to the Lord? Who's calling on him? Who's seeking his word? And it's in the midst of this that this glorious passage comes to us. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he's made, a glor- he's made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. It's the light. The light from heaven. The light that God gives. This um, is really why the Isaiah prophecy is so special at a time like this when we're celebrating the birth of Christ. This is the greatest announcement in history. This is the greatest prophecy in history. This is the Lord sounding out in the midst of darkness his answer to us, his hope for us, his help to us. Right here is God's answer, just what people need. Just what people need. 
It's what the Samuel said. For you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord shall enlighten my darkness, or Job. His lamp shone upon my head. When by his light I walked through darkness, when the Almighty was with me. There was this declaration made that those who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Well, at this point in history, the whole earth was represented as groping about in the darkness with no hope. And the curse had seemed to fall, and it seemed like there was, it was beyond help. But here, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, even Galilee of the Gentiles, sitting in darkness, and the whole world is called in darkness. God says in the midst of this, a great light is seen. A great light. You ever feel like that? At times I just want light. I just want to see. I just want clarity to all of this. I want an answer to all of this. I don't understand why things happen the way that they do. This is what this, this passage is addressing in this sad world. When all feels lost and everyone asks, where is God? What is God doing? Because he's the one that gets blamed for everything that's bad in the world. Does he care? Does he answer? Does he care about you? Is it supposed to be that we forever walk in the darkness? And God says, in the worst moment of history, even though my people have been in darkness, the whole world will see the light. This is the marvel of God's love. This is the marvel of God's favor. This is the marvel of the gospel of grace. We didn't deserve anything but darkness and to be cast into outer darkness. And instead, in the midst of this darkness, God says, I will give you a great light. A great light. What's interesting is the way that Isaiah prophesies about this. These are all what we call prophetic futures, telling us that at some distant point in the future, God's going to shine a light on this world. God's going to light up our world. And God's going to give light to the peoples. And again they will see. Again they will follow. Again they will know him. Again they will turn to him. A great light will illuminate our present darkness, and it will be a huge light of deliverance for the peoples. Well, notice what he promises here in verse 3. For you have prophetic futures multiplied the nation, increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Here's what you're going to see in history. When this light comes, the, nations, the nation again will be multiplied. Gloom will be replaced with joy. Just like we celebrate, just like people celebrate in, the, in a very agricultural nation of harvesting and, and seeing the fruit of their labor on the day of harvest, the rejoicing of the harvest, the day of celebration. That's what it'll be like. And then second, verse 4. For you have broken the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor is in the day of Midian. How could we not forget the day of Midian? How could we not forget what God did with Gideon's 300 lap people who lap like dogs? 
He's going to break your yoke. He's going to break your burdens. He's going to shatter them. This is quite a, quite a light. <laughs> you know, think about it. The nation will be multiplied again, and all your burdens will be taken away. When that light comes, you say to me, I don't see anything different living today. Think of all the darkness. What we see in our day, it seems like the masses of the people are walking in darkness. Seems like people are lost. Seems like people are without hope. Seems like people are without God in the world. And everyone's looking for light. Everyone's looking for an answer. Everyone's seeking for just some kind of light and some kind of hope, some kind of answer to all their misery. Who knows what goes on in people's lives to find light? Do we? Well, you know what you run to. Just to find relief. Just to find freedom. Just to find an answer. As Al Mohler in his report a few weeks ago said, secularization has seemed to come upon the earth. The percentages of people who don't believe there's a God is staggering today. Well, how's that going for people? We know how it's going. They're in the darkness. They're not walking, as Jesus said, in the day. But that's not the truth of the matter. See what I said? It'd be easy just to look at things and think this way. To look at the state of the world or the state of the U.S. and the evil that's around us. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. And to live like that. Easy to do. Where is light in that? Here's the truth of the matter. Here's what's being said here. Here's what's being reported here. What has been seen in history? What has happened in history? What has been announced to every hilltop in every nation of this earth? What nation has not had a Bible handed to it? It's remarkable how many... Nations have had the scriptures come to them and gospel preachers sent to them and light given to them. And this is where we see it beginning here. What has been seen in history? Well, it's this. In the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, a great light will be seen. Those who had formerly been oppressed, those who had lived in darkness, Listen carefully to Matthew 4. We'll get there in a few weeks in our study of Matthew. Listen carefully to this. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, what do I do about that? Greatest, last of the Old Testament prophets has been sealed up in prison. What do I do about that? We read, he heads to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth... He came and dwelled in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali. <laughs> Here we go. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, 
Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen the light. (laughs) And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time on, right from there, right when Jesus fulfilled the prophecy, Matthew 4, 17, Jesus began to preach. And he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. Light has come. Turn to me. Change your minds about the Lord your God. Repentance means a change of mind. Turn to me. Look to me. The light has come. I'm the light of the world, he would say. Matthew Just reported that everything Isaiah is here describing hundreds of years earlier came and he said, here it is fulfilled. Jesus went to Naphtali and to Zebulun and chose to go there and dwell there. Why? To fulfill the prophecy so that the world would see the light. And he said, repent. Turn to me. You have to understand repentance when I say it's a change of mind really turning your whole life upside down. When John, <laughs> when John preached repentance, Jesus passed by and took his finger and he pointed to him. And he said to all the peoples, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Wow. He does everything Isaiah captures. He was recovering the nation. He was increasing its joy. At his very birth, what was announced, beloved? It was so much joy they wanted you to have. Listen to this. When one sinner repents, the heavens break out in joy. So much joy that on that day, when the child arrived, the angels start heralding from in the heavens. Then the angel said, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great, what? Joy for all the people. For there is born to you this day, where? What the prophecy of Isaiah anticipated in the city of David, a Savior who is Messiah the Lord. And he fulfills the mission, and he goes to the cross, and he rises from the dead. And he tells his disciples, go up in the room for just a little bit till the Holy Spirit comes. And on the day of Pentecost, (laughs) the gospel went out to the ends of the earth. Today, claiming, now listen, when you think the sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Claiming a multitude no man can number. He's recovered the nation. He's increased your joy. That was the message of the apostles. So now, said Peter, you don't see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and fullness of joy. How many times can I say it? Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Well, we can be burdened about many things today. But here's the reality. 
He's giving you happiness. He's given you forgiveness. He's given you himself. He's given you everything. And he's given you this day in body and soul, in life and in death, joy. And then he broke our oppression. Well, (laughs) you think it wasn't fulfilling Isaiah when he stood up one day in the midst of the multitudes and said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Listen, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I'll break yours. I know you're tormented. I know you're empty. I know you're lost. I know you have burdens, and that the yoke and the burden and the um, oppression and sin has controlled you. I am your rest. Whatever burdens we have, Jesus carried them all. Ever thought of Isaiah? He bore our burdens and carried our griefs. How many burdens are you carrying right now? How many worries? How many concerns? How many of you are struggling with whether you're right with God? There are a lot of situations beyond our control. He took it. Isaiah 9.3 tells us Christ broke the yoke of all the burdens. And of sin. And then he says, Let me tell you about this child. Let me tell you what he's going to be for you. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. God, out of his grace and out of his mercy, totally undeserved by us, he didn't desire your death. He didn't desire for you to grope around in the darkness. He didn't desire for you to remain there. Do I have to talk about what the darkness has done to people? Can't you see it? Here's the light. It's the only light you're going to (laughs) get. He is wonderful in counsel. The idea is that of he performs a perfect plan for you. That's why Jesus was so intent on fulfilling the will of his Father. He is who? He's mighty God. He is mighty God, strong to save you. There is nothing that can stand in opposition to his salvation for you. He's that strong. He can't fail. Why? He's God. He's Emmanuel. God with us. Jesus. He's everlasting Father. Not in the Trinitarian sense. What he means is that Jesus acted to us as a benevolent protector as a father does to his children. He pities them. He knows your weaknesses. Psalm 103. He remembers that you're frail. He knows that you're dust. He knows all your struggles. He's a like as a father to you. He is the Prince of Peace. He's not a tyrant. 
How many of us complain about government all the time? He's not an abusive or a corrupt leader. He came as the king of peace to deal with the greatest issue in your life. It was that you were alienated from God and he ended the war. He's our king. The government is his. He is the one installed over all the kings and kingdoms of this earth to this day. He sits over them all. That's why Peter said, since God has raised him from the dead, repent. Believe the gospel. You see, the darkness is great. We live in challenging times. There's confusion. Yes, there's hopelessness. I say to you tonight, that's not true for you. That's not true for you. And that's the best thing I could possibly say in the midst of all this. That's what we should celebrate this day. This is what we celebrate when we think about the incarnation of our Lord. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. You are his nation. You are his people. And he set you free. That's what is true in the midst of this world right now. That's the light that has been given to you. And it's the greatest light that has ever gone out. And it's a light that has come to us from heaven. That's what the world needs right now. That's why we care about this. Darkness is very great for those who do not repent and believe the gospel. In fact, that's why Jesus said there's only outer darkness to expect. But the truth of the matter is God did not leave us there. God has brought his light to us. And so I close thinking about these words of Jesus. When he fulfilled coming to Galilee, to Naphtali, to the land of Naphtali and to Zebulun, and he said, repent. That is the heart of this. Turn your hearts to him tonight. Believe in your gracious God, the God of heaven and earth, who declares, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And what should that produce in us? Faith. May we rejoice today, as the apostle said, with joy unspeakable that light has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas is all about. And so let's praise him in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for such a great light. Thank you for giving us light that has lit up our darkness. And when we are distressed and when we feel that darkness is coming in all around us or we see it in the world, let us remember this light has sounded out, has gone out. This word has gone out. The light of the world has been given. And we are so thankful for that light that has shown in our hearts. The light of Jesus Christ who has increased our joy and released our burdens and set us free in the midst of one of the darkest prophecies in history. Thank you, O Lord, for showing us in today that we can say we enjoy the light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.